Lieble to the right hand, puts Herb down, he's gonna dump him hard to the ice. Brady Lieble just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no What's going on guys, welcome. Hockey to hell and back, episode number 67. Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. Today's a very special day. Uh, today marks 18 months clean for me somewhere I thought I'd never get. I promise you that. I was I was completely hopeless. I had given up. And today is 18 months clean. And I just want to take a second to say thank you to everybody who's been a part of this journey through the podcast, through my recovery, through puck support, through preparing to rollerblade across Canada everything without your guys's support there's no way that this continues on i took a chance you guys have been so receptive so great to me not a ton of judgment and you've been patient so thank you so much i truly truly appreciate it there's a bunch of stuff that i'm going to get to at the end of the episode 
when I'm done with my guests, but I got a new trophy behind me. That's right. Sauce champions at the Rink of Dreams yesterday, Blade Tech Hockey, Howie's Hockey. Me and my little buddy Lando Snipes took down the prize yesterday. I needed that win. I'm not going to lie. It was all adults, and I was partnered with an 11-year-old, and we took it down. It was awesome. Shout out to Lando. We're going to get to more of that later on in the episode. But you guys know that everything that I do is pretty much revolved around puck support these days. If you haven't seen the show, if you see the pictures behind me right now, every single one of them, hockey players ranging from minor hockey, junior, major junior, professional, right up to the NHL level, every single one of these individuals behind me has lost their life to either suicide or overdose. And every single episode, I honor one of those individuals in in this picture here. And Tragically, it continues to grow. I keep having to add new faces, mental health challenges, addiction challenges. They're real. The hockey community is no exception. And just on July 22nd of this year, just a few weeks ago, the hockey community lost another brother. We lost Brad Edwards July 22nd at the young age of 28. He was the captain of the NOJHL's North Bay Trappers for two seasons. He played at Lindenwood University and most recently in the senior league that I'm playing in this season for the Deserano Bulldogs of the EOSHL. Brad tragically took his life on July 22nd. I had the opportunity to speak with his brother the other day, Cam, and I just wanted to send our deepest condolences from everyone at Puck Support to the entire Edwards family. I was just in North Bay. I had a lot of conversations about Brad while I was up there. And if there's anything I can do about it, he'll never ever be forgotten. So we're just sending our deepest condolences to the Edwards family. Another one of hockey's angels gone way, way too soon. Anyways, guys, we're going to throw it over to a quick sponsor and we'll be right back with Tim McAuliffe. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to Regan Bartel, Jesse Paradise, everybody at Team Issued. Make sure you check them out on social media at Team Issued. If you've seen the show... You know how this goes. We'll see you in a few minutes, guys. To say I've been very fortunate over this past 18 months would be an understatement. There have been so many great things that have happened in my life. And so many of those wonderful things happened only because I started this podcast right here. Of course, it's no secret that I've had my struggles, addiction, homelessness, jail. It was very, very, very dark times. Throughout all that hell, there was very few things that I ever found comfort in. Very few things that I looked forward to. Back in 2015, I was sentenced to two years in jail out in my home province of British Columbia. It was the lowest time of my entire life, somewhere I never thought I would be. By this time, I was so disappointed in myself that my hockey career was over. And for those entire two years, I didn't watch a single hockey game, though we had TVs in our cell with over 50 channels. But I'll tell you where I found the most comfort 
And that was Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific on Sportsnet. A show called Tim and Sid now became my outlet, my escape in the darkest time of my life. To be perfectly honest with you guys, it was the only thing that I looked forward to. It helped me find the love of sports again. And I think most importantly, it led me to love the game of hockey again. I watched and listened to Tim and Sid religiously, intently. It was Tim and Sid that inspired me to do this show right here. Since that time, I've been a loyal watcher of the show, not just because I love it, because I want to learn from the best. Back at the end of February of this year, it was announced that Sid Sixero would be leaving Tim and Sid for breakfast television. And that left Tim McAuliffe to take the reins on his own shortly thereafter Sportsnet launched Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe has not missed a beat, not even through COVID. Throughout the entire lockdown when nothing was happening, he still found a way to carve out two hours of sports talk five days a week. It certainly didn't go unnoticed because just recently Tim was nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. His work ethic, his knowledge of not just one or two sports, but seemingly all of them is what separates Tim McAuliffe from the rest of the pack. That's enough for me, so let's do it. It is seriously a huge thrill and honor from Sportsnet's Tim and Friends, Tim McAuliffe. That's Tim, what's on. going on, buddy? How are you, man? That was uh, that was nice. I really enjoyed that. I, uh, I, uh, you, you almost got me. To be honest with you, this, this is why we do the show. I am. Uh, I, I try. I know you in reaching out kind of laid down um what you went through but i i tried to avoid it because i knew i was going to do this podcast you got the co-sign from tara sloan yes uh, shout and, out to tara. thank you yeah, tara she she reached out to me and i was like i don't want to know too much of the story before i go in because i want to i want to feel it but honestly it it's so good to hear stories like that um because that's why and i mean there's a bunch of different reasons why people get into this business that without a doubt is one of the reasons why I got into this business. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Like that's, that's amazing. I love hearing that kind of stuff. No, well, no, thank yous necessary. Honestly, it was, uh, it was a very, very difficult time for, for obviously a number of reasons, but for whatever reason, the show just captivated me. And I think, I think primarily it was on at 2 PM Pacific, but our, our TVs in there were a little bit delayed or whatever, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I instantly became a fan and it was people even knew they were like, don't even bug him right now. Cause Tim and Sid <laughs> is on like, that's that I'm not kidding. Like, they well, were, like what was it awesome. like, was it just like, I, because we do everything and we yeah. can be a little bit different than yeah. the rest of the, the folks. Do you know what it was that got you? Was it just that we were yeah, just real a bleep like normal people? Yeah, just real and, and just yeah. passionate and the knowledge and, and just the way that it's not even just you and you and Sid. It was the, the way that you guys interact with the crew and just the whole, your guests, everything. Yeah. The way that you guys deliver was just so unique. And I know my dad was... You know, I grew up on sports radio and listening to Dan Russell on CKNW out in out west, like every night sports talk. And so it's kind of like ingrained in my blood. And, um, you know, you guys have just kind of 
been at the top of the list, especially since 2015. But, you know, I've been watching you on the score long before that. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit just about how you got into that. And I mean, I know quite a bit about you. I know that you have some brothers and, and they were all high level athletes and you aspired to be that and maybe couldn't get there. So you went and the other that? <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit more, more about that. And, and before you go any further, I, you know, I'm also aware that you're a little bit hard on yourself and you, you actually achieved some pretty some pretty high levels, you know, captaining your football team and hockey, high school, uh, hockey team, football team, all that. So I was jack of all trades, master of none, but you know, uh, some are as good as better than none. Someone told once told me, cause I always say that there's a, there's a, there's a common end of the jack of all trades, master of none that no one speaks of. I'll Google it before the end of this, but (laughs) I always say I was a jack of all trades, master of none, but I just, I was a dude who like, you know, I'm the youngest of four boys. My dad played some minor pro hockey. Um, he played at St. Mike's in Toronto, which was kind of like this hockey factory with guys like Dave Keon and Frank Mahovlich and Jerry Cheevers. And Cheevers, he played, yeah. he played, yeah, some real, like real players. And uh, he played, you know, um, senior A, played in the IHL for a little while. You can hockey DB him. It's a little old, but you, you can see him. And so I grew up in this family that just loved sports. Everything revolved around the rink and fields. And we just kind of all bonded to that. And I always wanted to be as good as my brothers who were like, you know, that triple A type junior B university football type of, of players. And so I realized early because I, you know, lived with these three guys that were good that I wasn't that good. You know, like I, I'd always find a way I could think the game, but I was just never physically gifted enough. You know, I'd work on my skating and I, you know, I'd score 50 goals playing double A, but I, you knew if you took that next step up, I'd go to the tryouts and they just watch me skate and go, nah, I have to, that kid's not good enough to play here. And in football, like I wanted so hard, I, like I, I tried so hard to be so good. And it just, I, you know, when you run a, a forever 40, you're not going to play at any level. And so, you know, I went through like a, a bit of a phase where, it hurt. And then I just tried to figure out from like probably, you know, grade nine, grade 10, I knew that even if I got every ounce of what I was as an athlete, I would be at best like a university player and not a pro. So I, it actually was, it was freeing because, you know, I just enjoyed it for what it was. And I tried to figure out how I could stay close to sports without being a good player. And that's where this comes in. And uh, I dropped out of Carleton University's journalism program. Uh, I went through some tough times of my own. Uh, I lost my oldest brother. And we'll talk about that, you know, a little later on. But that kind of started the path where I said, okay, I'm going to, even though I'm not in school, I'm going to try and figure out a way. So I started volunteering at the score. Wow. And uh, the rest is history. Uh, but I was probably about uh, 20, 21, and I was volunteering at, the score i called every place out of the blue uh cold calls said can i volunteer and nobody would take me and then the score was just this young network that said yeah come on in and i was like really really and so that's how it all started as a volunteer wow you you just took a chance and and what what did that look like as a volunteer like because you must have had to put in a lot of hours and do some stuff that you didn't want to do but did you have the end goal of being like hey you know what i'm going to show up here and i'm going to work do what i need to do to get behind that camera to start with the highlights or whatever and and you you and tim uh sorry sid uh started what would now be i guess recognized as a podcast kind of first as well too right yeah 
Yeah, without a doubt. So I, I, I just wanted to work in sports. I didn't care what it was. And financially, my family needed a little bit of help at the time. And so I thought, how do I, how do I, how do I make the most money quick? And that's when uh, being on air kind of came in. And I'd always like, you know, I'd never been really shy, um, but I'm not like the look at me type. I was never that guy. Um, I was more of the, you know, work hard, do your work and it'll speak for you. Um, and so I was just, I'll, I'll produce, I'll write, I'll do whatever the heck they need me to do. And it started very slowly. Like when you're volunteering, like I remember my first paid gig came a year in. So I had worked for free for a year and they don't even allow that anymore. Like you're not allowed to do, uh, internships, uh, for free. And Greg Sansoni, who I was in that picture with, was one of the guys that kind of took me under his wing and realized that I knew a little something. And so I would work on all of his stuff. And there's a guy named Damian Goddard who was on uh, Sportsnet for a while, and he was with MLSE. And he was another guy who took me under his wing and just left Steve Coolius, uh, who's now on NHL Network uh, Radio. And I just... You know, I would slowly, they would start letting me write stuff and then they would start letting me uh, do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I ended up being the producer of all the NFL on the score. And uh, they, I used to have to write something for a guy who would voice all of what I wrote and he couldn't pronounce the names. (laughs) So I would do all this hard work and I would hand the script over to this big voice guy who would come in and he would say, Dante Culpepper and the Minnesota Vikings are taking on the uh, New Orleans Saints this weekend. And he would turn to me and say, did I say Dante right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got Dante. And then finally he got sick one day and they just said, all right, McAuliffe, voice it. And that's how I got my start. So... It ended up, uh, it was a long road. Uh, it was probably a few years, um, but I started getting paid and then I quit my job at Bell Mobility and, uh, you know, we walked down this long road that ended up with Sid and I getting together. Uh, we first had a TV show before we had the podcast, which okay. was crazy. Um, and then when we got the podcast, it was just, uh, it felt like it was magic. It was something different. It was something freeing. It was something completely different and uh allowed us to be ourselves kind of like you here right like no one's telling you what to do <laughs> you know you're just doing it yeah i got no one around really so <laughs> yeah. it's, you know I, I press the buttons i want i say what i want and, and hopefully it comes out all, all good but yeah. it, it's uh it's a pretty cool story so you didn't really have any i mean journalism yeah you dropped out but did you have any like full training or was this all learned on the job no i'll learn on the job and i started early enough we got lucky like if if you're like a, uh, a sports media nerd or a sports nerd, like there are a bunch of people that started at the score and they just threw everyone into the fire. Like if you could work and get something done, it was a pure, I guess they call it a meritocracy where if you work, it's, it's like sports. If you worked in it, you got results. They kept giving you work. And that's rare in this business because there's all the politics that go into it and, you know, who knows who and all these things. And at the score, there was none of that because there was only, you know, 20 or so people doing all the work. And so they needed more people to help out. So if you got, can I swear or should I swear? Yeah. 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 You got shit done. Yeah. If you got shit done, you worked and it was the greatest place. So Cabby Cabral Richards started on the score. We were, interns together in fact 
he went to RTA at Ryerson. So he was like this big, him and Adnan Verk, who's on uh, MLB Network. He was on ESPN. They got the paid shifts. And I was so mad. Like, I was like furious. Like these, oh, the big RTA guys get the paid shifts. And like schlubs like me and Sixero back in the day were watching those guys get their $50 a shift. You know? <laughs> and that's what it was. It was 50 bucks a shift. And we, were, I was so pissed off that those guys, because they went to RTA and I dropped out of university, they got paid 50 bucks a shift for certain shifts. And I didn't. And I would do the same work. So there was this, but a great breeding ground. It was like, it was like the minor leagues or it was like, you know, junior hockey or university. You just went there and if it worked, you got more work. And uh, it was a great breeding ground. I mean, you look around and yeah. like Renee Paquette, Greg Sansoni. Um, Jay and Dan, many- Dan there too at some point? Sorry? Jay and Dan, were they there at some point? No, too? they were TSN pretty they much from the TSN? start. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were for pretty- some reason they were there. No, they were very, they were very score like though the way yeah they, uh, the way they and the score had this like we don't give a bleep uh, I'm gonna say bleep a lot because I have a TV show and I yeah. like to swear a lot and I always say bleep just to <laughs> to to make sure that I don't swear although I did once swear on air uh, man this is uh, this is after hours this isn't yeah. uh, not yeah. prime time I'll tell you that much uh, yeah. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty cool. See, I didn't know that part of it. I, I wasn't sure if you had gone to school or finished, and, and how it all kind of came about. So that's yeah. pretty amazing. So what? Where do you look back and say like where you got your your first big break where uh, things really started to change for you? Is there one moment that sticks out? You know what? It was it was just a bunch of moments. Yeah. Um, and I had this drive. Like I had there there was I I'm, I remember um, there's a famous bar in in London called the seeps and it's where uh, all the western university kids will go out and i met this dude whose family owned um the the bar and we went to university at carlton together and i dropped out quickly and i had heard that he was you know maybe going to go back to london and i went by the bar and just you know saw him and he said uh, he goes i knew you were going to do this the whole time because you had this confidence in yourself like where, where did that confidence come from? Like, I have no idea why you were so confident. And I was, well, you know, why, why, why would that be? No. And, and the, the reason why I was so confident was, was I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Like there was absolutely no, like I would just keep knocking on doors. And I knew I had this drive inside of me that I wanted to do something that I loved. And this was what I loved. And this is what I wanted to do. And I learned that, you know, going through uh, what I went through when I was a kid um, which was at 16, I lost my older brother who was my hero. Um, and I lost him to suicide. So when I listen to, you know, the things that you're saying, it, it definitely hits home and all the things that you're doing definitely hit home. And when I see the pictures of, of, um, you know, kids like, like you just showed, uh, it definitely hits home. And I, I know, I know the journey the families go through. I know the journey that, you know, a little bit that the people who, you know, um, get that desperate go through. And for me, it was, you know, my drive came from, you know, I say perspective is, is expensive. And uh, it's a saying that, that carries with me. And, uh, you know, I, I had this perspective that, I wanted really, I, I needed to do something that I love because I wasn't going to waste my time in life. 
and um, it didn't come quickly. It came after probably about four years of wandering and wondering. And, you know, I probably didn't feel myself until I was probably like 25 to 30 where I started to, you know, get back to what was me having lost someone that close. So when you have all those pictures and all those names up there, I would love people to not only remember those people, but the families around them because yes. it can tear apart families for sure. Absolutely. And Tim, first off, sorry for your loss. And thank yeah. you so much for sharing that with me and, and the people watching or listening after. Um, I greatly appreciate that. And you know that to me is like through doing this, uh, through honoring, like I've connected with so many yeah. of the families from, you know, the Rippins, the Proberts, even though, yes, technically it was a heart attack, but Danny's a friend of mine. She's been yeah. on the show and we've talked and everything else. But um, can I, can I say something? Yeah. That shit's brave, man. Like what you're doing, um, what you're facing is brave and you should be commended for it because to, to listen, the 18 months is something that you should be commended for. And I think a lot of people do that, but what you're facing in all this, like that's inspiring to me. Like that, it is to face the heartbreak that you see is not easy. And um, there's a lot of people out there who will help and it's great to see it, but I just want to like, you know, if I knew enough of the story before I came on here that I just wanted to give you kind of like a tip of the cap because it's not easy to face all that heartbreak and you're doing it. And that's, I mean, I saw that I saw the scrap off the top too. I knew you were a brave kid, but <laughs> you know, this, that this is different. I would have fought anyone. I, I have the youngest of four boys. Like yeah. the one thing that I learned to do was take a punch early. Uh, <laughs> nothing compared to um you know kind of what i went through and that what i went through was nothing like what you went through so the bravery just jumps out at me and i'm glad that you talked to all those people and all those families because i know it means a lot to them to hear uh from people who kind of understand what they're going through um because it feels like you're the only one in some of the in, in some of those spots so I wish I had my soundboard because I give you the pam 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 pam. This one? <laughs> I, had it, I had it preloaded for you. <laughs> That's I had awesome. it preloaded for you. Yeah, so I just hit it again. Hit it again. <laughs> That's straight up. That's straight stolen from your show, by the way. I hope it's not <laughs> copyrighted. Awesome. No, not copyrighted. Um, we stole I, it too. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's it's been probably uh, like when I started to do this, of course, you can never really anticipate what's going to happen. But as hard as some of these conversations I've had, like Kelly Ewan, Todd Ewan's wife, she's coming on the show uh, on Wednesday. Um, you know, I've had a couple other the family members who have, you know, lost loved ones to suicide that are behind me and my line mate from the American Hockey League, my roommate passed away of an overdose and my coach, my first year pro overdose um, and connected with all these families. But like there's a one the one in particular that always comes up in my mind is Daniel Miner, who passed away a few months, maybe four five months ago, played in the OHL for the Barry Colts. And, you know, since that moment, I've become very close with his his whole family. In fact, his mom and dad actually, you know, took a, a few days vacation and came up to Muskoka for three days, got a hotel. We, we went for lunch. We, we cried, we laughed, you know, and now, um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm helping them in any small way, but they're also helping me. And, and yeah. it's not, it's his sister, it's his wife, it's his son, it's his nephew. And, you know, it's been, a, it's been such a, a beautiful gift. In fact, his sister, you know, sent me this bracelet and, um, they're hard conversations, yeah. but, 
I think you're right, is that the families that are that are left with the aftermath of loss, they need a ton of support. And uh, if I can yeah. be any small source of inspiration or support for anybody, then that's why I do this. And so yeah. thank you for thank you for the kind words, Tim. And uh, I really just want to acknowledge and, and say thank you again for sharing um, your loss uh, as a young man and, and, and how it really shaped you. You know, yeah. like this is like I say to everybody, you're I do not know. I'm still waiting for somebody to be like, OK, well, here's here's the guy, because I don't know a guy or a girl or anyone that that doesn't know somebody that has been affected by mental illness or addiction or both. Right. And, you know, and lost somebody, whether it's a family member, friend, neighbor, coworker, whatever. We don't have to look very far. Right. right. And And there's no uh, there's no stereotype. There's no type. There's no. Um, here's what it looks like. Uh, here's how that person copes. Um, here's how they hide it. It's all, it's, it's all very different and you never know who you're going to hit. And honest to goodness, like, um, you know, your, your story off the top about here and Sid and I, you're, you're not the only one that I've heard of. Like I have on my phone messages that I've gotten from people who feel like they were in the room with us for whatever reason. Um, and some of it was going to chemotherapy with people. Yeah. Some of it was on podcasts where you're, you know, um, you're just looking for a laugh. And I knew from what I went through that sports was always my outlet. Like, I'll never forget the day, you know, the police come to your door, knock on your door and they, they tell you that you've lost someone. And for me, it was like, he had gone through some struggles and, and we knew he was going through something, but. You know, he'd been in and out of the hospital and he was working for Wood Gundy and he'd gotten his MBA and he was playing football and getting his MBA. Really smart dude. And so I thought, oh, maybe he's on the right track. And they came over and I'll never forget. I watched the Leafs lose. And I thought in my head and chuckled to my head, the Leafs lose again. And this was back in the day when they were terrible all the time. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm a Toronto boy watching the Toronto Maple Leafs play. And I had just gone through the the toughest, you know, hour and a half of my like hearing people scream um seeing your father cry for the first time and there i was watching a hockey game and for three hours i was lost in that hockey game or two hours or whatever it took for the Leafs to lose to the st louis blues and i still remember it to this day and uh i had always thought you know hey th there's something really powerful in that and to this day, I still keep on my phone a lot of people who have reached out to, to me. I'm sure Jay and Dan have them. I'm sure, you know, um, all of those guys that you've watched and those girls that you've watched or listened to on sports radio in the past have them. And there's something there's something cool about doing what you're doing right now. And and I think you see it, right? Like you've had people, the internet is a shitty, shitty place 95% of the time. But I think you're starting to see how many good people you can find. And there's some power in finding those good people and those good humans. And uh, it's very cool when you get a message like yours or like the ones I got on my phone where I just kind of keep and remember why I'm doing it. So when that douchebag reaches out and tell me that my opinion uh, <laughs> is garbage or that I need to get fired because I'm terrible, I just think back of the, you know, the person who brought me to chemotherapy and I helped them get through, you know, a couple radiation treatments means way more than some douchebag and in, in his basement on his computer.
One hundred percent. And yeah. before we go any further, I just wanted there's a couple comments coming in, and actually Michelle, who is Dan Miner's mom, is actually watching, and she says, "What you're saying, Tim, is so true. Brady is fighting his fight every single day, but he continues to reach out to many, many families to offer his support." And she also wants to say, "So sorry for your loss, Tim. Hoping you have a ha hoping you had have wonderful memories to hold on to and keep moving you forward." So um, there's a picture above me right now. Uh, that's my brother Mike. Uh, he played football at Western. Um, played hockey with a few dudes that, uh, that went on and played for the young Nats. So, uh, there's still memories there. That's yeah, I'm wrong side. There's another picture right here of me and him in the back of a car. So yeah, I got, I have amazing memories of my childhood without a doubt. Uh, and it probably took me about 10 years to realize that I needed to hang on to those. Uh, but I have. So, um, and I, in fact, I live in the house that I grew up in. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that you're you grew up in in Toronto area, but yeah. which, which area exactly? Without outing where you live, but what area? <laughs> which I don't want so, any super fans to come knocking on your door, Tim. I'm on the Scarborough North York border. Okay, uh, so um, for those who know the city, they know. I was in is. your neighborhood yesterday, buddy. Oh, I was yeah? in New York yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So okay. North York's pretty big, and it's is it? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, familiar. and it, and it's like. Um, you know, like it would be a city anywhere else in Canada. Okay. Um, and it was a city back in the day, but I live right on the Scarborough border. So I kind of say I'm Scarborough. So people know that I'm east side of the city and Scarborough's got this like rough, you know, blue collar, um, work ethic kind of people. So I'm, I definitely, uh, I, I kind of, I just rep Scarborough cause it, it, it means more to me. It's kind of this, you know, tougher, rougher area. Well, this is uh, the uh, I'm staying with a lady right now in Muskoka. Her uncle's Harry Sinden, of all people, mm -hmm. believe it or not. And um, she grew up in Scarborough, so I know she's probably watching upstairs. So she'll be happy to happy to hear that Scarborough oh, nice. represent. Yeah, but uh, I'm surrounded by Boston Bruins memorabilia, like uh, everywhere except for here, everywhere in the house. And I'm not a I'm a I grew up in Vancouver, man. So I'm I was downtown 2011, saw my my city get torched. I'm not a Bruins fan at all. So <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, it's pretty cool. I feel like uh, I'm gonna. I was quickly googling Harry Sinden to come up with. There's there's a link with my dad and Harry Sinden, but I don't know what it is, and I'm not gonna find it quickly. But I know he played for the Jennies. Oh, did he play Allen Cup? He Allen Cupped it. I have, Allen Cup I have. I have him. Oh, the there's, a picture, there's a picture of him on the on the wall holding the Allen Cup. There's like a three tier, and he's the cap. They beat the Russians or whoever it was in the fifties. It's a really cool picture on the wall over there. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I love the history of the game. Uh, my my old man kind of planted that history. My old man won an Allen Cup in nice. um, in Windsor, uh, but he played for Kitchener Waterloo and. It was like a year after he left or a year before or a couple of years when they won and went on to the Olympics to, to represent, which is a very cool thing. And anyone who follows hockey uh, should learn a little bit about the old school uh, senior A loop because that was a wonderful way for hockey to evolve. It was just like whoever won that was the Canadian national champion and they would represent Canada in the Olympics. And I believe Harry Sinden went to an Olympics uh, with a senior A team. Um, yeah, he went to the 1960 Olympics in Squaw Valley as a part of the Whitby Dunlops. Uh, yeah, so that's that's awesome. And, and that that was like, you know, I guess it would be IHL. I guess it would be, you know, uh, third level. 
Um, but they paid as much as you know some of the NHL teams paid back in those days. Yeah, and he, he did all right for himself. He's still working for the Bruins at 89 or 90 years old. He's been, he's been with the Bruins since like 1966. He's got to be the longest tenured employee for, for any one team possibly anyway. in history, right? Like yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. So, and I know, and it's very cool because I'm a huge tragically hip fan, and he was uh, he was Gord Downey's godfather. So, you know, it's uh, it's just a pretty cool piece of Canadiana. You know what I mean? Yeah, without a doubt. And those two are kind of intertwined. Just prior to to everything happening, it's it's a pretty cool backstory, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Man, uh, I just I just really appreciate you, man. Like everything that you do, and um, I just man i'm just i'm actually more nervous i forgot to tell you this i was more nervous for this show right here than i was for theo flurry doug gilmore these guys that i darren mccarty who's now become a very good friend of mine but the free's been on like three or four times but um i'll tell you i was like pacing back and forth i'm like man like you know it's different it's it was just different because i really truly look up to you uh you know and i try to pick little things up but of course i'm just here trying to have fun and, and a hack but at the end of the day still like to try to do my best when i'm doing yeah. something and so um just going back to your point earlier when you're talking about all these guys that i've watched and stuff i'm you know with no disrespect to anybody or any other network it was only really ever tim and sid the only sports show that i watch and i, I did watch hockey central at noon doug mcclain has become a, a good friend of mine as yeah. well He's one of my first guests but you know i kind of boycotted them for a while because of all that but we won't go there but he's been he's been so great to me and and so I've always been like a sports net guy and I think a lot of people it's like one or the like one or the other like I just just a different so when I that's what I mean I didn't know anything about Jay or Jay and Dan with no disrespect to them I I just see them on little clips on Instagram and that's it I'm a sports net guy through and through so it, it really is you're you're the sports show that I continue to watch this day and um, I, I just want to ask you, what was the biggest challenge like with Sid leaving the show after all those years of working together? Yeah, for those that don't know, we we were I think we figured it out at the end. We worked, you know, on and off, but mostly on for 17 years. <laughs> and that's a lot of time to spend with one dude. Uh 17 years. I saw that mug uh <laughs> five days a week, basically, for 17 years. Um, so it was, I knew all along and, and him and I, I know there are a lot of people that thought that like, ah, why would he leave? Why would he go to breakfast television? And we had had like open and honest conversations and it wasn't always that way. You know, we started as just, Hey, this is fun. Let's do this. Uh, Oh, they're going to put us together on the score and we might as well make this as good as it can be. And then we actually got canceled on the score and that's when the podcast started. And he didn't even know what a podcast was. This was early times yeah. in podcast history. Like he didn't, he literally had no idea what a podcast you're, was. You're so, probably pre Joe Rogan. Like seriously. You know what? It was, I, so I have these sheets that I kept um, because when, when I was looking for jobs, um, you know, like, I guess it'd be like, damn, 14 years ago, I would say like, they're these things they're called podcasts okay and here's the list of people who are doing well in these podcasts and i swear to god i have a list it, it might even be in these shelves behind me but it was joe rogan tim and sid and bill maher were like at the top of the charts for podcasts wow. in 
and and you know, little did we know, like Joe Rogan just got paid a hundred million dollars for his podcast, and here I am in my basement trying to figure things out for you know my next show. But um, so we just we just started fooling around, and it kind of hit. But um, we're always like, you know, really different dudes, like completely yeah. different personalities, and it worked well on air. But off air, we were just like, okay, let's not let's not screw this thing up by trying to be friends outside of work. We'll just be friends at work, and then not, you know, we'd heard you know a bunch of guys that have worked together ended up hating each other. You know, like you go back in the day and you hear like the, you know, the the ones that work really closely together. Like there was ideas, and I don't even know if this is true, but that Oberman and Patrick in the states hated each other. And we had heard all these stories about guys that had hated each other. So we we didn't really talk except for on the air, which made it real. And I thoroughly enjoyed working with the dude. It was funny. He was really funny. And but it only took, you know, probably in the last five years where we said, okay, let's let's make sure that we're talking about what we want to be in the future, because this can't last forever. And there were a few times that, you know, we would be flirted with by someone else and we'd tell the other guy. And it was completely open and honest. And, you know, through the pandemic and, you know, no sports and a lot of the heavy shit that we went through in that year, I could tell that he was, it was just wearing on him and he wanted to try something different. And, uh, this breakfast television thing came along. And so he, he kind of walked down the road and I wasn't sure that he was going to do it because waking up at three in the morning sucks. Like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know who I would, I could never do. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I want to do it, but he, uh, you know, he just said, I, I think I'm going to do this. And I was like, Hey man, whatever you like, whatever you want to do, I'm there for you. And, uh, so it was really cool in the end to kind of get to a point where an honest God, like if you had told people 15 years ago that like, you know, like cabbie or Adnan Verk or any of those guys that started with us at the scoring of the producers behind the scenes that Sid and I would last 15 years together <laughs> without beating the shit out of each other, they, they would have. And I, I would have think I would like to think that I would win the fight, so it wouldn't even be each other; it would just be me. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, they would have said, "There's no chance. Like, there's absolutely no chance that the last 15 years together, and we lasted more than 15 years together." So it was kind of cool to kind of go from we're completely different dudes. We recognize this. We'll just do it on air. It'll be fun. You know, there'll be a yin and a yang, and we'll move on to kind of becoming really good friends and having some moments that I never thought I would have on air when we said goodbye. Yeah. And, you know, I watched, I was watching. Yeah. Like we were crying on national TV, you know? So, uh, it was kind of cool to get to, to kind of see the relationship grow from, okay, we just work together to dudes. Yeah. Well, it's, and that's what it comes down to, right? You kind of, for, you kind of just, do probably go through um, not the motions every day, but you're just doing this so long. And then for it to change, you maybe kind of hit you a little harder than for both of you guys. than you thought, and, um, you know, my, but that's what made it, that's what made it natural too. Yeah. Right. Like was yeah. that we actually, you know, when we argued, we argued, you know, <laughs> and when we laughed, we laughed, uh, because it wasn't made up or fabricated or, you know, uh, something that we had a conversation about and said, you know, Hey, that'll be good on air. Cause we never had those conversations. It was just on air. We would just have the conversations. That's, that's really cool. Uh, you guys, 
you know, you guys continue to pump out content prior to him leaving during the pandemic from your basement, like where you are right now, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. There you guys are. Yeah. Uh, how difficult was that for you guys to to pump out this show on a consistent basis when pretty much everything was shut down? And yeah, and was, before you answer, thank you for doing it because I know a lot of people needed that. Yeah, that that was you know, um, it was hard, and I never said this this job is hard. Never in my life because I know that there's actually real hard shit out there. But that year when there was no when there were no sports and, you know, there was a lot of social justice issues um, where just heavy stuff every day, it felt like we were powering through and we didn't want to leave any of that stuff out, but we also knew that people just had a heavy day every day. And to be honest with you, I got two kids, I have a wife and I was balancing being a dad in a time that we've never seen before and then having to go and do two hours of national TV and radio. And at the start of it, it was three hours. We were doing three hours on the radio. Yeah. We were covering um, off another hour for for the radio side of things um, when the TV show wasn't on. So it, it became really hard to balance um, trying to entertain people and trying to be a good dad and, and be a husband in a time when... Uh, a lot of people were going through a lot of things and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy on, on me to start. Like I, my son actually had, um, it was a minor surgery was, he just had uh, his tonsils and adenoids taken out right at the start of the pandemic. And I had this like fear, like I, holy, like all this stuff's happening and my son goes behind some doors and a doctor's going to go in there and he's out cold when I, you know, when I let him go through these doors and it was all very heavy on me. And I was thinking like, you know, as a guy who had taken control of his career and, you know, every step, it's like, I have no control over any of this. And it was yeah. scary for a little while. And so doing those shows became kind of like, um, my outlet and Sid's outlet. And then we realized, Holy crap. There's like people actually listening, even though no one's in their car. Right, like yeah. doing a radio show in a pandemic with no sports. <laughs> it was like, what are we doing this for? And then we realized, oh shit, there's people listening who are looking for the exact same thing that we're looking for, which was some sort of outlet. And uh, they became the most rewarding shows that I have ever done. Um, and I am more proud of. 2020 and what we were able to accomplish than anything I've ever done because I got notes from people, you know, this was good for my mental health. Like just hearing yeah. you guys um, talk your way through, we used to do like a dad joke of the day, which was the stupid shitty joke that I would tell. And we would do the good news of the day because we knew we had to offset all of this heavy stuff day after day after day. And um, I, I ended up winning that, that CSA award. Um, yeah, for most of the year. Yeah, and I, man, I see. I didn't hear that. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Hold on. Yeah, no one. No, but I, like, I don't like. It's, it's so funny. Like, I don't. We don't do a show that wins awards. We just do a show where you go out. Like, you all the shows that win awards are the ones that can shine things up and you know do the. Like, I was up against James Duthie and Ron McClank, the big wigs, like the biggest of the big wigs, Scott Russell who work on these big shiny shows, right. That have all this money and we just go out there every day and wing it. And 
the reason why we won it was the same reason why I'm so proud of that year. And it's because we didn't shy away from anything and we helped people get through a time. And I, I, I seriously believe that, you know, me going through what I went through in hard times helped prepare me for something like that, where we could just go out there and give people something like you had, you know, where you just, you listen in to two guys talking and you feel like you're, hopefully you feel like you're a part of it. And I think that's what 2020 was about. Wow. And we I, found uh, some good humans, right? Yeah. Like, I, I totally uh, missed that. I apologize. I didn't no, no, you don't have to nominate it, but man, that's, that's pretty amazing. That that be, let's be honest for a minute. It, it felt pretty damn good. And so it should, right? Like yeah, it must I, be. I, I'm not that dude. Like I don't, like I honestly don't I'm give not a either. shit. I, and I, I, I wouldn't give a shit, but it was like a, and it's Sid's award too. Like it yes, was for course. Tim and Sid. And um, it was just a tip. Someone watched a few of those shows and it was a tip of the cap to like, this show should never win anything. That, that host, I think I'm talented. I think I'm good. I'm confident in what I do, but we don't get to do the like um, shined up, you know, toy. Like what you, you know how it goes. You, yeah. you come out here and you have to figure things out as it flies. And that's literally our show. Like yeah. we have a couple of producers and we just do a show on TV and it happens to be in a great spot with some great people around it. And there is a little bit of money behind it without a doubt. I'm not acting like we, but we just go out there and wing it every day. Cause you can't do two hours um, five days a week without it. You can't plan. It's impossible to do. So yeah. I, like, I was like, ah, oh, those awards mean nothing to my whole life. Those awards mean nothing to me. I don't care about them. I said, <laughs> I, I was like, why do you even pay attention to that stuff? It's ridiculous. But because it was for last year, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to take this. I'm going to enjoy it. And, uh, and shout it back to a lot of the people that helped us do it. That's amazing. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome, right? It was. Was it unexpected? Would you figure? Like when was oh, the yeah, nomination yeah, yeah, unexpected? Yeah. The win was. All of it was unexpected. Yeah. I, I was. Know. I was watching the show when when the not the nomination was was announced, and I saw that. And actually, I think it might have been the same show. There was a uh, one of your match games, and and you actually, I, I typed in on one, and you actually gave me the buzzer. It was a big moment for me, man. I was yes. like, yeah, yeah, I'm on there. I'm on Tim and Friends. Let's go. I, You know what I mean? I, I couldn't even text in there when I was watching for two years. I didn't have a phone in there, and I'm like, I want to get involved. And finally, and I put it on with something to do with, like, something was more surprising than this, and it was something to do with, you know, Tom Wilson's suspension being less than this. And you gave me yeah. the horn, and I, I, I – Press rewind on the PVR. I'm recording it. Like, you know, it was a big moment for me, man. I was like, yeah, you know. And so um, I just want to ask you before you go, I know we we got probably 10 minutes to go or something like that. I appreciate your time. But we talked a little bit about Terry Ryan. I know you work closely with Ken Reed. Yes. Um, It's kind of deep. Yeah. It pucks in deep. Ken Reed's trophy, all of that. (laughs) Uh, Seems like a great guy. I've never had the chance to meet him. But, um, you know, has it been has it been much different since Sid left, and and how soon after um, did you know that Tim and Friends was going to continue as Tim and Friends? Was that pretty great? You guys just knew, or I just I um I think a lot of people thought it would be unfair to put someone in Sid's spot um, because they'd be immediately oh that's not Sid, this guy sucks or this girl sucks, and I didn't want that. I I thought that it would be a tough. You know, it would be immediately always just 
whoever was in that chair would be compared to Sid and the old school fans wouldn't accept that because the they'll Tim be like citizens. the Tim, yeah, and the, Tim the Tim and citizens wouldn't like it. Yeah. So um, I said, listen, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And, but I don't know if it's smart to put someone in that chair. And a lot of people agreed and maybe they thought they'd save the salary too. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, listen, um, but you know, save a little bit of money here and there. And so we just decided, uh, well, why not just make it, you know, Tim and whoever wants to come on. And I thought, you know, listen, one of the things that we do that not a lot of people can do is we talk about every sport yeah. and it's hard for someone to come in and just co-host, you know, if they're you know, like David Amber would do it for us every once in a while. And, you know, he's covering hockey and he has to, he's on hockey night in Canada. He has to know hockey inside and out. It's tough to throw him the curveball when, you know, there's a breaking news story um, in baseball or the NFL. And I never, I didn't want to put people in a terrible position where they would have to like fake it or, you know, have to study for like three days just to do one show. Right. Yeah. So, I said, well, we'll just put people who want uh, put people on who want to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And we'll do that. So uh, that's what it ended up being. Yeah, well, it's been great, man. I I love it, and uh, it's it's nice because you never, at least I never know who's who you might have on, right? Yeah. And, and what's going yeah. on? It's it's awesome, and that's a big thing. Is like you guys really do touch on on so many things, and uh, you know, U sports is a is a passion of yours. I know yeah. that you you've called some games, and and that is that something that you know, you really have a strong passion for where you would like to get into commentating games full time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did a lot of it, um, at the score and I think eventually I'd like to get back to it. I just kind of fell into this Tim and Sid thing and it worked out. Um, but that was the closest I got to playing like okay. where you have to be on your toes for three hours and you're into the game. There's nothing like it. Like it's a rush. The adrenaline rush that you get from calling a game is very similar to the adrenaline rush that you get playing a game. At least for me, that was the closest thing that I ever got. And I, I want to do more of it. And I, and I've always kind of, you know, um, kept it up in the hopes that, you know, maybe Sportsnet would look down the bench and go, Oh, what's what? Oh, no, he, he, can't do this game. What, what about, Oh yeah. Cuthbert's. Yeah. No, apparently he's got a sore throat. Yeah. And who's fifth in the bench yet? Yeah, no, they're, they're Harner Ryan saying, no, he's, he's busy. Apparently he can't get on a plane and someone would go, Hey, McAuliffe, go call that game. Um, you know, I've done Vanier cups. I've done yeah. uh, national basketball championships and, uh, U sports is definitely a passion of mine. And it goes back to my brother. My brother played running back at, at Western. And, uh, one of the things that I have a, as a memory of my brother is a VHS tape. And I still have a VCR. Um, you can see it on my Instagram cause I just posted a old, uh, headline sports the yeah, score video on my Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I have a video of my brother playing locally in, in Toronto area, CHCH is out of Hamilton and they used to do local university games, same way, um, you know, uh, Shaw would do Canada West games. Um, and so you know, one of the games, my brother goes off for 135 yards as a freshman. He was a running back. Goes off for 135 yards as a freshman against Waterloo. And um, they did the interview with him at the end of the game. And I used to watch the tape, you know, for 10 years after he was gone to remind me of him. 
And when I first got the opportunity to do that, I always thought, well, this is, this is my way of giving back to everyone of those people that gave me that memory. And then I started realizing all the kids playing and all their families and friends, they're watching. And it was just a very, and I started, I, I would, I would put so much Brady. You have no idea how much work I would put into these games. And, um, I would just study my ass off, hoping that a family member would go, oh, shit, he knows what he's talking about. Like, is this? So I was doing, you know, like I had a nightly highlight show. I would work five days a week. And don't worry about the time. If 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 you want to get me off, tell me to get off. No, <laughs> no. You're the one that you tell me when you're no, off. Yeah, I'm good. So I, I and I said, uh, I, I was like, I was working five days a week and I was doing the Hamilton Tiger Cats play by play. So I had a, a nightly show. I was doing Thai Cats games and I was doing a Saturday game. So sometimes I do a Friday night Thai Cats game and then I would do a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon football game. And then I would host the rest of the week on, on the score. And all I wanted was some family member to go, hey, you do a really good job. And it would give, you know, give me the same kind of feeling that I got and I, like I lived off of that and I got it a ton of times awesome. and it was amazing. And, you know, I'd meet guys after, you know, they'd be five years gone. Uh, and I'd say, uh, you know, they come up to me and introduce themselves and I could say their high school. Like I knew what high school they went to just from, you know, the, the prep that I went in. So it was like my thing. Like I would, all right, Chatham Kent, like, you know, like yeah. something like that, like, you know, wherever they came from. Um, it's a lot of work, eh? Yeah. To remember all that kind of yeah. stuff. I, I, th I don't think people, at least I don't, and I've met a lot of, you know, I had a lot of great, like Regan Bartel, we heard in the, in the pre, the yeah. Rockets. Yeah. He's great, man. He's been, he's just an even better person too, but just what, it, what goes into that and the preparation. And, uh, you know, I, I listen to these guys on hockey night in Canada and they're just, they're so, they're so great, man. And it, it is a lot of work. How much work goes into like a Tim and him and friends show like I, I how much prep work are you doing because you seem like you know everything man like it, seriously <laughs> I, don't, I don't uh i it, it's uh it's a the, the the problem with tim and friends or tim and sid is that we start at 5 p.m or 4 p.m so when i'm done at seven that's when the games start right so i come home and i want to be a dad for a little while so my pvr is always full and when the kids go my kids are now nine and eleven and, you know, I want to watch their games if they're playing sports before this yeah. whole pandemic stuff. And, you know, I want to do all that stuff. Like my Zen is going to watch my son play baseball. Um, that's like my that's where I'm in my my zone. So I, I'll my PVR is full. I'll come home or, you know, I'll put them to bed nine, nine. Now they're getting older. So it's like 10 o'clock and then I just start. And so it starts, you know, whenever they go to bed, if it's a big game. I'll watch it live um that's always the rule big games you got to watch live so Habs make their run in the playoffs like you're not pvr in that yeah. <laughs> you're watching that like i'm it's on the radio on the way home and then it'll start on the pvr my dad gets mad at me i have a my dad's still uh not on what he's still with us he's 83 years old he lives around the corner he's over every morning with coffee yeah and we'll talk hockey every morning uh which is awesome and i cherish it a lot um but He'll come over at night, you know, just pop by. It's open door for Tommy McAuliffe in our house. Just walks in, dog says hello. And uh, 
So he he'll come in and he'll be like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm I'm on the first period. Don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Like d- just don't say anything." And and he'll be like, "Oh, you're really gonna like what's gonna happen in about four minutes." I'm like, "No, stop, stop it." Stop, stop talking. And I like sometimes I have to kick him out because he's just sitting there needling me. He's like, oh yeah, Gallagher, little elbow. And I'm like, can you stop? Just let me watch it in peace. So everything's on PVR. Um, and then game day basically, tell my kids go to school, 9 a.m. I'm them. My wife's a teacher too, so she's gone uh like 7:30 in the morning. So I'm with them till 9 a.m. till they go to school, and then I'll start on my emails and our group so it's about a 9 a.m you know a shit shower and shave go to work yeah uh after the emails but you're you're going a lot um because you're watching the games after so like a guy like ken reed it's a little different because he works nights jay and dan work nights so the games are on when they're at work so they kind of get that time you know, yeah they can the wa- almost watch it as they're working type right. Deal, right yeah right right but they have to react quicker i get time to think about what i'm about to say Sometimes, you know, I actually get to write something about what I think, which is rare in our business, right? Which is Kenny Reed. Kenny Reed is one of the greatest, like, he, he off the cuff, off the top of the dome piece. It's it's unbelievable. But those guys sometimes amaze me. Yeah, he's pretty good. I, I enjoy him on your show. I enjoy everything that he does. And we were talking a little bit about his, you know, his connection to Terry Ryan and, and you yeah. know, Terry. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there. He's actually, I don't know if I think I was told you I would save it for the show, but I'm rollerblading across Canada. I'm starting yeah. in Newfoundland and Terry's actually going to skate Newfoundland with me, which is really uh, cool. Awesome. You know, and, and shout out to the good people at True Hockey who are, who are behind me. They've, man, they've been so great to me. And I just, you know, when I, where I was two years ago to the time, to where I'm at now and just the just the people of the hockey community and, and the sport community and as a whole is it like we you talked about earlier about you know 95% of the internet or being bad so you kind of lose hope and you got to filter out and find that 5% of the good people but man have I just been a magnet for amazing people in this past 18 months don't not to say that you know nothing bad hasn't happened or anything like that but I'll tell you man the, the good outweighs the bad by a by a million times over and it's oh, just yeah. it's so great before I let you go there's two questions that I want to ask sure. you one um obviously the Canadian women's soccer team you must have yes. loved that you must have loved that I know yeah, you yeah. soccer and and that what you know we, I love all I love all sports I know I know you I, love all sports yeah. but you kind of you you this the Canadian basketball, Canadian soccer, where there's not a whole lot of recognition, seems yeah. like you kind of have a passion for yeah. those. I, so. I, you know, I, I, I used to hate that we. So I grew up in a, a hockey football family, and I used to hate that we had this like we're going to dominate hockey mentality, and we would take we wouldn't take that to any other sport. Yeah, and I used to it used to bother me to no end. Like we had an inferiority complex in every other sport, and in hockey. I don't know if it was Don Cherry. I don't know if it was, I mean, obviously the success of it and the fact that we had more NHL players than any country in the world had a lot to do with it. But there was just the attitude, like we are going to take it to you. Even if you might be better than us, we'll never admit that. And in every other sport, we had this inferiority complex. So I grew this passion for like, let's do this in other spots, right? Like, And when I did U Sports football, I would always say, like, these kids are way more talented than anyone gives them credit for. And I always thought that about basketball and soccer. And over the last little while, over the last 10 years or so, it started to come to fruition. 
And in the NBA, you'll see Canadian players going first overall, going in the top yeah. 10. We have more NBA players than any other country outside of the United States. And I could feel it coming in soccer. And the women were first to it in basketball and in soccer. Yeah. Uh, the women were first to it. And to see that Canadian women's team and the history of the Canadian men's soccer team is getting to big moments and choking and gagging yeah. on it. Yeah. And the history of the women's program was rising to the occasion, you know, whether it was a U20 tournament in Edmonton where they kind of came out of nowhere and, and really captured people's imaginations or the London Olympics is still one of my biggest scam ever. Like Christine Sinclair has a hat trick. Yeah. Didn't carry Canada past the United States. Terrible call on a on a violation you never see. And the goalie held the ball too long. And they get screwed and they, they take bronze. But they even after they get screwed against the Americans who never lost to anybody. And they gave him a run. Sinclair, three goals. It was an unbelievable game. If you haven't seen it in London, go back and watch it. So they've had this buildup to bronze and then a bronze in Rio. And, you know, they're not the best in the world. The United States are the best in the world. But this woman's team kept rising to the occasion. And to have them beat the U.S. Uh, the way they did and then face Sweden, who probably woman for woman, if you laid down those two teams, are more skilled, but the Canadian woman rising, it was, it is, um, the Olympics for me, and you could appreciate this because you're an athlete. The Olympics to me are so unfair because you work four years, like the Canadian women's hockey team, yeah. they work four years for one tournament. Like how hard is that? If you lose one semifinal final, you lose one game, the four years is a failure. Yeah. Right. Like that's insanity. And yet we, we do it every four or five years in this case. And that there's a world cup now for the women. And, and that's another one. So every two years, but every, like you work to these goals and Andre de Grasse, yeah. I mean, he has a world championships, but it's the Olympics. And so to see them do what they did on that stage to me is the epitome of, I had this line uh, that I used to say on OUA broadcast. In fact, uh, this football has it printed on it. And it says, special players make special plays on special days. Yeah. And like what's the Olympics is the epitome of that, right? Like to be able to handle the pressure of all of that and come through, uh, it's something different. And so I, I saw that in, uh, you know, Damian Warner, Andre DeGrasse, and the Canadian women's yeah. team continually does it, which is very cool. Yeah, it was very awesome. And that, that you know, it's a great kind of segue to the last question, and I'll let you go, is what was your thoughts on Simone Biles taking taking that off? Because we talk about yeah. that. This year's rising yeah. to, you know, and I'll just quickly say, like, you know, for me, it's a for what I'm doing to bring mental health and stuff to the forefront. I think it's great, but at the same time, it's it's kind of one of these cats twenty twos for me. It's like it's great, and I want her to take care of herself. But where, who is it? Just her? Is she solely no. responsible, or is it this is the coaches to not get them right? Who and and what are your thoughts on it? Honestly? No, but I think I think it just happens. Like I, there's a guy named Marty Fish who's a tennis player uh, who had the same thing happen, and and. The biggest moment of his life, he was walking to center court and he couldn't do it. And yeah. listen, um, when it hits, it's not fair. No, it's not. It doesn't. 
pick and choose times to hit people. Like the, if you've never gone through it, I, I, I understand why you don't get it. Or if you've yeah. never seen it up close and personal, I guess I understand why you don't get it. And I wish more people had empathy. Like maybe you could put yourself in another person's shoes for 15 minutes, but I've given up trying to get <laughs> people to do that because you're going to get post-concussion syndrome from banging your head against the wall. Like yeah. you just, and, and for me, it never chooses. It yeah. can be at any time. And that's why I love, you know, like guys like Michael Landsberg and guys like yourself and people who, and Simone Biles saying, and Naomi Osaka saying this, yeah, uh, coming to the forefront and saying, even though I am at the peak, like Simone Biles might be the greatest of all, might be the greatest athlete of all time. Like yeah. her track record in her sport that has a deep talent pool is ridiculous. And yeah. she's saying like, I I'm, I'm struggling to deal with this is brave. And we're going to come full circle on this because I started this podcast with you by saying you're brave and people coming out and, and letting others know that it's okay to suffer from this is amazing. And people who, and listen, there's remarkably different levels. And I don't think we talk about that enough. Yeah. Like anxiety is different than schizophrenia. Yeah. Like there's, we need to, we need to start peeling the onion back. So it's not just mental illness. We understand the differences yes. in mental illness yeah. so that people can tackle it and, and not self-medicate and, and do the things that they need to do to get better and see a seek out help. And I love seeing whether it's a low level anxiety that, that, that frustrates you or, you know, severe depression that debilitates you to see people come out the other end and have success is remarkably important. And, uh, so when I see a story like Simone Biles, I think amazing. Yeah. Now let's, let's help her. Yeah. And let's hope that she comes out the other side better. And who cares if sports takes a backseat for 20 minutes, 20 hours, 20 years? Like it, it doesn't, I, I love sports. I take it very seriously. It doesn't really matter all that much. Um, what matters is being happy. And I heard Strombo say this. Uh, a couple days ago, George Strombolopoulos, and I was like, what a great, he said, take advice from people who are happy, right? Like everyone offers you advice, find advice from people who are happy. And that's, people go through struggles all the time. And when you know you're not alone, there's, there is, there is a, a power to that. And I think that you, maybe you've, you felt that in your life. I won't speak for you, but there, there's a power to that. And the more we see it on the highest stage with the most, mentally strong or seemingly the most mentally strong people on the on the face of planet earth the more we realize that this affects everybody do, yeah. do you not feel the same way i i do i do feel 100 the same way and i've had this conversation with and that's why i kind of just open it up with the just to see your opinion of it but people being like oh man you're at the top of your game this is the olympics you got to find a way to push past that and 
for me, seeing Simone in just be vulnerable like that. And I don't know if you picked up on the actual, I was watching it live. And if you go back and you watch it, you can actually hear her talking to her teammates and her coaches. There's a few different instances where she's saying she doesn't trust herself. She doesn't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up here. You have, like you said, arguably the number one athlete in the world right now. Um, still having those feelings. And I talk about it with hockey guys on this program all the time where if you're going through, like I went through a severe depression in major junior where I was rookie of the year, the swift current Broncos, my claim to fame, same trophy as Joe Sackick. That's the only thing I ever won pretty much. And then the next year I quit like five games in the season. I packed my truck up, drove to swift current home to BC 14 hours by myself. And you know, it's different. You go into the coach's office, you have a cast and it's, Hey, I broke my hand. I can't play. But if you go in there, I got a, 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 my head's not right. My heart hurts, whatever it's mis misunderstood or it's looked at as a sign of weakness. So for me to see Simone, who's like you said, the epitome of strength and power and accomplishment to say, Hey, I am a, maybe the highest level athlete in the world, but I'm still, still Simone Biles underneath all of that. I still have those still very human raw emotions and struggles. And I thought it was very refreshing. I hate to see anybody go through that and have to deal with that. But at the same time, it was to me, it was a, it was a groundbreaking moment in sport. Like honestly to, for me anyways. Right. Yeah. And I thought the same with Naomi Osaka, but the, the part to me that like, where I got pissed off was seeing people on the internet say, you've got to power through this. This is the Olympics. And I thought to myself, how the bleep do you know that she hadn't powered through this like 10 times before? Yeah. Like who says that this is just new? And I, we, we don't know at this point. And uh, maybe Simone will, will, I don't, I don't need to hear it from her. But how do you know that it hasn't happened? But how do you know she's not a multiple-time gold medalist who has powered through this repeatedly? And for me, there are so many like, and and it's something that I try and like. Listen, I give him my opinion for a living, and I always try and keep that in the back of my head, where it's like, I don't know what this person's going through. I don't know. And sometimes when Sid and I got in the deepest fights, it, there was like, hold on a second. How do you know what, you know, Emilio Bonifacio is going through or whoever it was at the time where he was like tearing into players? And, you know, there's always like in the back of my mind, there might be more here than just meets the eye. And uh, it's probably why I've never been as callous as some others in our business who give opinion, because I just I, there's there's a shred of empathy in me every time I'm talking about a player that. I don't really know what they've gone through. Uh, so, you know, but I, I, the, that, that I, I kept thinking about it with Biles was like, man, you, you have no idea what she's gone through. She may have gone through this 10 times and been an Olympic gold medalist despite all of that. And yeah. so, uh, I hope that we see, um, a good story at the end of Simone Biles. And there's a little, a shred of me that kind of hopes that we see a little bit into, what her story is so that people can learn. Cause I think the more you hear about it, the more, the easier it is. And that, you know, every year when bell does their let's talk, yeah. I'm a huge supporter of it because even if they're the other guys and they're the enemy, you know, 364 days of the year, that day has done a lot for people where they just feel a little bit more comfortable talking about it. Whereas in your time and in my brother's time, you know, like he, he left 
the University of Western Ontario's football program and didn't tell a soul that he was in the hospital for six months, you know, um, trying to get help. Yeah. And we were in a way better place now, but there's still a lot of work to do. And, and guys like you, um, guys like Michael Landsberg, Robin um, Leonard's become a friend. Robin Leonard's, yeah, wonderful work, stuff. Man. I talk yeah. to him all the time. What a, you know, he might be some for a little on the edge for some people, but he's just speaking his truth. And yeah, um, you know, th those are the the people that can really have the biggest impact. And it doesn't have to be a celebrity or whatever. It's just no. our truth and 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 we're listening everywhere, right? And uh, just yeah, man. I listen, man. I know you got. Let me tell your wife first off. Thank you for letting <laughs> me borrow you on a Sunday night for an hour and your kids and everything. This is time. Time is valuable. Time is money. Uh, we only have so much time on this earth, and I know you're very, very busy. So please just know that I truly appreciate you taking your time to be with me tonight. And maybe one day down the road we can do it again. But I, this is something I'll never, I'll never forget for the rest of my life. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming since the very first episode, which this is 67. But I actually had a podcast that was called something else. I just changed the name, so it's really like episode 135 or something. And since that first episode, you were like right at the top of the list of dream guests. So thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate that a ton. And I'd love to do it again. And I'd love to spend more time on, on mental health. Yes. And how we can all help. And I could tell, you know, the entire story of my brother and my family. And I know you wanted to talk about, you know, the career and, and no, the show I, and I all that stuff. But I, I, I would... I, would I walk wanted to talk it. more about your, I just, you know, I just don't know how much now that we've had this conversation, yeah. the, the, the floodgates are kind of open, man. And I, that's really the stories that I, that I love is the, yeah. just the real life connection. Never mind the career so much and everything else, but I just wanted to try to, you know, get a conversation going and still kind of treading through water, trying to figure out how to do all this, but that is exactly um, what, you know, my whole show is about, you know, and so I appreciate yeah. you opening up and I look forward to doing this again. I know you're busy, but whenever you have time, my next you are, <laughs> you're welcome on the show anytime, man. Honestly, thank yeah. you. I told Brady I would do this, uh, but I needed some time because the show chews up so much time. So I'm actually on vacation right now. <laughs> so the only time that I could carve out was on vacation, but I, I, I did it because I, I knew the man that I was speaking to. I knew the story that I was speaking to. And I wanted to do this. So so thank you very much for having me. Thank you for that story off the top. Uh, that's why I do this shit. Thank you, man. And uh, all the best. I'll be watching all the time. Uh, give Jesse uh, some stick taps for me, too. He's doing a good job over there. All right, man. Uh, I'm a fan. I appreciate it. And thank you. Thanks, Tim. We'll talk to you soon, man. That's Tim McAuliffe from Sportsnet. Thank you, Tim. That was honestly a dream come true for me. I'm so grateful uh, for Tim and for opening up. And now I'm like, man, wanted to get a little deeper in there. But now we have another episode to do maybe next year when he's on vacation. Who knows? I got to send it over to one sponsor, my friends at Pride Tape, who sent us a box of Pride Tape uh, to take up to North Bay, which was great. Also had some at the Rink of Dreams. So we'll see you guys here in a few minutes. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. 
Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey, at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to my friends at PrideTape. This is the trophy I wanted to show you guys. That's right. Shout out to... The people at the Rink of Dreams, David and Elise Weiss, incredibly kind people. Here's a picture of me and David yesterday uh, out on the rink. Sauce tournament yesterday. Me and Lando Snipes, who's been on the show a couple of times, we took home the hardware. He was the youngest kid there. It was all adults. I knew who I wanted on my team. I had to call in the ringer, the king of the sauce, Lando Snipes. I was able to bring it home for us with with a couple of gwg clinching shots um just really grateful for that opportunity thank you to the people at blade tech for putting it on howie's hockey tape squad box prep team ltd uh they catered it out the food was incredible they had a videographer the whole nines it was just a great experience thank you to everybody who made that happen had such a blast Coach Cam Reed was there as well. Got a picture of me and him. I know he's watching. Shout out to Cam. Rocking his puck support stuff down at the Rink of Dreams. Appreciate his support. Shout out to Cam. Always nice to see you. Yeah. Just uh, pretty cool stuff. That's going to be part of the podcast forever. I'm just having fun. I didn't really celebrate down there, but full disclosure, I was walking around with my hands up when I got home. I was like, yes, I needed that win. I needed that win. It's been a long time of loss after loss after loss. Not to say that things haven't been great in this last 18 months, but thank you once again, 18 months clean. Before I sign off, I need to... uh, just make a quick announcement with with a very very heavy heart earlier today I was notified that a friend of ours Justin Elliott tragically lost his wife Jesse to cancer I just wanted to send my deepest condolences to Justin and his sons up there in Morrisburg, Ontario. Rest in paradise, Jesse. Just thinking of you, Justin, and the boys, and just very, very, very tough news. So I just wanted to send my deepest condolences to you guys. It was a it was a tough a very tough message to get. Will sent me a message, Matt sent me a message. She passed away this afternoon after a a long battle with cancer. So thinking of you guys.
Life is life is hard. Life is hard. There's no question. Hopefully we're back Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern with Kelly Ewan. Kelly is the wife of the late Todd Ewan. Passed away in 2015. Tragically took his own life. Kelly's been speaking about Todd's story and the challenges she's had. I can't wait to connect with her. I'm really hoping that we can make it happen. I also have C- Steve Seftel on tap. Draft pick of the Washington Capitals wrote a book about his struggles with mental health. I'm very much looking forward to that. That's pretty much it. Once again, thank you to Tara Sloan from Sportsnet for making this episode tonight here happen. Tim McAuliffe from Tim and Friends. Make sure you watch Tim and Friends Monday to Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday to Friday. My favorite show, my favorite sports show, no question. Before I go, shout out to my family back home. Mom, dad, love you guys, miss you. I'm hoping my dad's going to come out here. Dad, if you're watching or listening to this at any point in time, once you get back from Saskatoon, come out to Ontario. Come see me. It's been way too long. It's been almost like five years. So what the hell? Let's go. Um, Would love to see you get on the golf course, show you some Muskoka golf courses. Hell, I've never even been on one. Thinking of my my kids, Brooke. Brooklyn and Brody tonight, as always, I'll never give up, you guys. I love you. I miss you every single day. 18 months clean today. I continue on this path, moving forward, never looking back. If you're struggling, if you have demons, if you're battling, do not give up on yourself. Please, please. I am living proof. There are countless people who are living proof that it can be done, that this can be overcome. Mental illnesses, addictions, both. Don't give up on yourselves. Don't give up on your loved ones. It takes time. It takes work. But I'm telling you, I promise you, if I can do it, you can do it. This episode was in memory of Brad Edwards. Once again, sending condolences to the entire Edwards family. He'll forever be on the wall here of Hockey's Angels. Check out Puck Support, pucksupport.com. Stay tuned for more details about the rollerblade coming down the pipe, scheduled leaving May 28th, 2022, Newfoundland to Port Coquitlam. I hope to see you guys all out there. Shout out to the Buckmans in North Bay. Let me stay there. It wasn't as long as... Maybe I'd hoped, but it was awesome getting to see them. Shout out to Dan Spence, 360 goaltending for having me on the ice. Love you, man. Everybody at the 360 camp, all the parents, the players, the coaches, the shooters. What a great weekend. It was the reset that I needed, and I'm so grateful any chance I get on the ice. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, 360. Thank you, everyone in North Bay. Anyways, that's it. Thank you to Tim McAuliffe from Tim and Friends. We will see you guys Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Never give up on yourselves. I'm telling you, never, ever give up on yourselves. Recovery is possible. Recovery is 
possible. Happiness is possible. Hell, anything is possible. Happy belated birthday to my buddy Harper, too. It was his birthday the other day, the nephew of Daniel Miner. Happy birthday, Harper. I know I spoke to you on your birthday, but happy, 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 happy birthday. See you guys Wednesday night. Be kind to everyone. Take care of each other. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. Pocket to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at MindFrame on Twitter plus MindFrameFit on Instagram.